Welcome to Fangs and Folklore with your spooky host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things monster and paranormal. We give you pint-sized, bite-sized pieces of supernatural monster lore, exploring their origins, their history, and their meaning to the human condition. Listen, if you dare. <laughs> Satan. The idea terrifies many people. While much of Western demonic lore comes from the Bible, of course, most cultures throughout human history have had uh, beliefs and concepts of demons and evil spirits. In fact, in ancient Mesopotamian societies, among others, demons were also gods, and the people worshipped them as gods, even going so far as human sacrifice. Uh, The pre-Columbian Americans, Aztecs, Inca, Mayan, uh, all those also had the same concept of demons as gods. There are those in the modern world who also worship demons as gods. Satanism is real, but there's more than one interpretation of it, which we'll see later. Of course, the idea of satanic ritual abuse of children is horrifying to most people, I would hope, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Welcome to Fangs and Folklore, the world's best horror and paranormal podcast and videos. Every episode is available on YouTube to watch the video and on Podbeam, sorry, podbean.com and all fine podcasting sites if you, if you prefer to listen. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert on all things monster and paranormal. I'm a horror writer from the dark and haunted swamps of Louisiana, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to my horrifying world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. It's volume one of the Gravediggers series. The Gravediggers are a failing punk rock band who keep crossing paths with all sorts of horrible, dark, evil, nasty creatures of the night. And what will they do? How will they fight? It's horror, it's comedy, and one super entertaining series. It's a six-part series. One through three are available already. Uh, in paperback, on Kindle, free with Kindle Unlimited, on Amazon, and then four is coming out very, very soon, so stay tuned. By the way, the... Uh, I mentioned to you that I moved the studio to this haunted castle that I found in the middle of the forest. I had a little uh, werewolf issue a couple of episodes ago, but I managed to uh, to use some silver to get rid of that person. So, well, that werewolf slash person. So I think we're okay for now. I hope there's no other ghosts or anything that show up anytime soon. Um, I have heard noises, though, from other parts of the castle that's worrying me. But so far, this room down here in the basement has great acoustics. I'm, I'm still not sh- sure about... What, what exactly is on the wall there, but uh, uh, so far, so good. We're talking tonight, of course, about the, McMar- uh, the McMartin preschool trial as a major part of the 1980s satanic panic. We began this story in the last episode, so let's finish up here. The McMartin trial began in 1987, would go on to last seven years and cost $15 million. It is, to this day, the longest and most expensive trial in U.S. history. Think about that. What does that say about the U.S. and and us, Americans? Our longest, most expensive trial was essentially a witch hunt. Hmm. (laughs) Doesn't seem too modern, does it? Well, remember the McMartin buildup here that uh, Judy Johnson had a child, little Billy, showed up uh, at home one day. Uh, She claimed there was blood in the diaper. He had trouble going to the bathroom. 
she accused the school of uh, sexually abusing him. Several other children uh, were interviewed by Key McFarlane, a sociologist, and by a doctor. And um, that both the doctor, physician, and Key McFarlane, the sociologist, concluded that most of the children were indeed abused. In fact, uh, sex, sexually abused and underwent satanic ritual abuse. Key McFarlane is the sociologist who, uh, social worker, I guess is a better term, who created the method of showing a doll with private parts to a child and saying, you know, show me on the doll where he touched you and that kind of thing, which you've heard before. She came up with that. So she interviewed all the kids who came up with these wild and crazy stories about McMartin, especially about Ray Bucky, one of the teachers there who was related to the owner's family too, uh, McMartin's. Ray, uh, they said that Ray sexually abused them, molested them, sodomized them, manually, orally stimulated them, took naked pictures of them, made pornography of them. Then the, then the really outrageous claims that he could fly like a witch, that he brought in animals, sacrificed them, drank the blood, made the children drink the blood. Uh, what else? That he held a black mass in a church where they sacrificed a goat and a baby and burned its brains, the babies. Uh, children claim that there were secret underground tunnels at the preschool, under the preschool, and secret rooms where they would be taken to be abused. They claimed that some children were flushed down the toilet into these rooms to be abused. Then uh, there was a claim that Ray Bucky had taken them in a long underground tunnel to a house nearby, and the tunnel opened up at the bathtub of the house, and there they took naughty pictures of them. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, we have, uh, they, they took them through rides in hot air balloons. They had orgies at car washes and airports, all sorts of horrible, creepy people in black robes and hoods moaning all the time, flying around by black magic. So some crazy stuff, right? All right. The trial itself is pretty complex. You can imagine seven years of a trial being rather complex. I'm not going to bore you with the pointless details, but let me tell you about the highlights, the things that I believe make it rather interesting. First, a major aspect was the Bucky's. Uh, a defense attorney, Daniel Davis, and his analysis of the children's interview techniques by the social worker, Key McFarlane. So these puppets, right, these sock puppets and these dolls that, they, that she worked with, it turns out they had videos of these interviews. They were reviewed by the defense. And what happened was that it, it, apparently she was very, extremely coaxing and pushy in the interviews, often telling the children, did they fly around like a witch? He did, didn't he? Come on, tell the truth, like really pushing them, manipulating them, telling them what happened, then asking them to verify rather than asking them what happened. She would reward children who agreed with her, and she would kind of be disappointed and stern with those who said the abuse did not really happen. So the interviews were extremely leading at best and manipulative and invalid at worst. Uh, there's a difference between saying what happened to you and he touched you in the bad place, didn't he? Come on, be a good boy and tell me the truth, right? A lot of kids are going to say yes in that situation anyway. In fact, before the trial, one prosecutor, not the defense, one prosecutor said, quote, Key McFarlane could make a six-month-old baby say he was molested, close quote. That was a prosecutor, right, on the other side. Now, later in life, some of the children insisted that the abuse did not actually happen, that they had made it up or that they were coerced by uh, McFarlane. But a few insisted that it really did happen to this day. You know, childhood memories are often difficult to pin down, of course, and can be distorted with time and influence. I don't know. My childhood memories, uh, I have a lot of memories of places and people and things that happened. But there's so long ago, you think, do I, do I remember it exactly? Or <laughs> am I getting some details wrong? 
Our childhood memories often are based on the emotions we felt when the memories were made, not necessarily on the observation of facts. So they can be a little, uh, you know, wavy, you know, it's just not a fine line uh, defining uh, all the details of our childhood memories. There was a group of parents of the McMartin children, and they made a, uh, I guess, a movement, a group called Believe the Children. They advocated for uh, the truth of the claims of the children, said, yes, it really happened. We should listen to them and believe them. In March of 1985, something really interesting happened. These Believe the Children parents and the prosecutors began to dig up the ground around the school to search for the secret tunnels and secret rooms. Then they hired an archaeological firm to use ground-penetrating radar. And they didn't find a big network of tunnels and rooms, but they did find something. <laughs> uh, they found one of two small tunnels, uh, one or two, I'm sorry, one or two small tunnels. And the archaeological firm said that there may have been something more there that they looked at, that they saw. But the school was demolished and someone else bought the property and it was built on, so no one could ever check again. So they didn't find all these tunnels and rooms, but they did find a couple of tunnels, really small ones, and uh, again, what might have been a room. That's really weird. That freaks me out. In fact, one of the little tunnels they found had some kind of a supporting beam above, so you had to duck under it, and a couple of the children had claimed, without seeing the tunnel, that in one of their tunnels, there was a beam above that they would grab onto and swing on. So that, that kind of freaks me out. I don't know about you. But no definite evidence of these tunnels and rooms. Another distinct weakness in the prosecution's case was the lack of medical evidence evidence of sexual abuse. Although we did say last time Dr. Astrid Hager testified, she's the physician who interviewed uh, the children uh, alongside uh, the social worker, Key McFarlane. So Dr. Astrid Hager testified that she found numerous scars consistent with rape on the children, 10 out of 13 of them. But the defense's medical expert, Dr. David Paul, said that his review of the medical evidence turned up virtually no evidence of molestation. Virtually. I wonder what that means. Uh, in the case of at least nine of the 11 alleged sexual abuse victims, he said the body parts were perfectly normal. Uh, so, you know, two doctors disagreeing with each other doesn't necessarily mean anything, does it? <laughs> it means it's a little ambiguous. So, <clears throat> Ray Bucky, of course, by now he's been arrested, right? This, this letter was sent out to the parents of the children. Ray Bucky's arrested, waiting his trial. He had a cellmate named George Freeman, who was basically a career criminal, right? Freeman uh, said that Bucky admitted to him that he had indeed sexually abused the children uh, at the school and in other places, that he was in an, uh, had done incest with his own sister, that he made child pornography, shipped it to Denmark, that he had photos incriminating of himself and the children doing horrible things, and that he had uh, buried them, these photos, in South Dakota. Uh, again, Freeman is a career criminal. <clears throat> he had you know, no credibility. Uh, he was a known liar, perjurer, so who knows, man. But one thing that's kind of odd that's true about Ray Bucky, <clears throat> he believed in pyramid power. Now, remember, this is the 1980s. It's not as weird and wacky as the 1960s, right? Uh, but you still have this New Age stuff in the 80s. A very, you know, a strong movement of New Age uh, stuff coming about kind of alongside or even opposition to the, the strong Christian fundamentalist movements. So Ray Bucky believed in pyramid power. He said pyramid power, quote, has a powerful effect on all living things, close quote. So the prosecution made a point of that. Why? Uh, well, they told the, um, the jury 
that, uh, and this is true, that Ray Bucky wore a pyramid hat when he went around town, and that uh, he had a pyramid that he that was hanging over his bed. And they did this, they, they made this point for a couple of reasons. One, they wanted to, him to come out and seem wacky, right? Unstable. <clears throat> Peggy Bucky had argued, I would never, I have never, and never would hire a teacher who's not qualified and fit at my school. Then you have this pyramid guy, it makes it seem, well, was he really fit? And um, the pyramid beliefs, his raised pyramid, I don't know, obsession, I guess you could say, maybe to, to, to the mind of some jurors, leaned toward the satanic or the, the weird or the occult, which maybe uh, added credence to the children's claims of the satanic elements. Uh, so the pyramid thing is kind of weird. That's true about Bucky. On November 2nd, 1989, after over two years of testimony by the children and others, the case finally went to the jury. In other words, the jury's time to decide. They spent two and a half months deliberating, which is ridiculous. Um, so there were 65 charges against Peggy uh, McMartin and Ray Bucky. And they found 52 of them, they found them innocent, uh, acquitted them. There were 13 remaining charges, which is very considerate. Uh, the jury was deadlocked. So uh, basically, uh, they got a hung jury. The jury foreman, whose name was Louis Chang, Chang, he said, quote, the interview tapes were too biased, too leading. That's the main crux of it, close quote. And then we have another quote by a juror who said, uh, quote, whether I believe he did it and whether it was proven are very different, close quote. Which, by the way, is, is actually, I'm glad to hear that from a juror. Trials are about proving, you know, the state proving its case. We have due process for a reason. Mm, the judge, whose name was Pounders, said, quote, I was not surprised by the verdicts. I would not have been surprised at any decision the jury made, close quote. All right, so Ray Bucky's off the hook. However, many people in society didn't like that. They said, try him again. And so <laughs> he was tried again. Um, I guess, you know, in a hung jury, you can do that, I guess. If he would have been acquitted on everything, you can't do double jeopardy. But hung jury, you can. So he was retried uh, on the charges. And it looks like, uh, well, there were lots of people, hundreds of people, that were protesting in society uh, around you know the country, saying we believe the children, and uh, a television poll apparently showed that 87 percent of Americans thought Bucky was guilty. This second trial was a three-month trial. Uh, the jury was deadlocked on all eight counts again. They kind of uh, wanted to acquit Ray of most of them, and uh, and basically convict him of one count of child molestation. Um, another, uh, of course, mistrial. And then, so he was not tried a third time. The prosecutor, the district attorney decided that, you know, two is enough. He's not going to be tried a third time. And that was it. Peggy Martin, Bucky, uh, I'm sorry, Ray Bucky, Peggy Martin, McMartin off the hook, you know, to this day. Um, well, what do you think? What do you think about this McMartin preschool trial? Were the children telling the truth? Were the staff these avowed Satanists who use black magic and demonic power uh, to abuse the children, to do terrifying, bizarre things, flying around the room like witches? Or was it a simple case of a mass panic like the witch trials? Was Key McFarlane's biased interviews, were those interviews a big part of it? Did she coax the children to say things that, that never really happened? Or was it something in between? I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments about this most bizarre uh, symptom of the 1980s satanic panic. You might wonder my opinion. Well, if you watch this podcast, uh, 
or listen to this podcast and watch these videos, you know that I do accept the possibility of the paranormal and the supernatural. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. I wouldn't be writing horror if I didn't. That being said, it seems to me that some of the more outrageous claims, people flying around holding black masses, orgies at airports, are impossible and very unlikely, probably coaxed by McFarlane, and probably did not happen. However, I leave open the possibility that there was some kind of grain of truth that that some of the children may have been actually sexually abused, which is very sad. Uh, I leave open the possibility that some kind of demon worship, Satanism, was occurring, uh, but I guess we'll never know. I just hope, you know, if those children were abused, if any of them were sexually abused, it's just sad that it became this weird satanic thing instead of just finding out the truth, right? Well... <laughs> That's the McMartin trial. Next time, next episode, we're going to continue the satanic panic of the 80s by looking at Satanism and demonism. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, so tonight I'll leave you with this horrifying thought. What if the children were completely telling the truth? Good night. Sleep well. If you can. <laughs>